pals. Hey, pals. Hello, pals. We hey. Back, we're back, back, back. <laughs> As, but for you guys, it's just a week. <laughs> Anyone listening is like, yeah, it's the same time. Every Tuesday. Every- See you next Tuesday. <laughs> oh, thanks, Frank. Um, Language. I hate that word. <laughs> I know you do. Tuesday, so, it's the yuckiest of the days. Welcome to the podcast, Rowan the Pal. How do you spell Wednesday, Frank? My name is Frank. <laughs> <laughs> Blowing past this bit. My name's Marcus. My name's Tom. And Tom's an arsehole. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Throwing the Power, where we debate movies um, and uh, throw in our opinion and obviously try to sway each other's thoughts and minds. Nicely, because we respect each other. Yeah. Well, and our opinions. Um, and it's nice for the boys to be wrong and take a slice of humble pie. I, it's my favourite kind of pie. Are we the boys? You're the boys. The You're boys. The You're man. my pals. Okay. <laughs> You're, okay, that was uh, interesting. So, anyway, we're talking today about Babylon. We are. 2022 oh, film directed by Damien Chazelle. Didn't it just Babylon? Oh, who's the first to make the joke? <laughs> I was going to say, I can't wait to hear Tom Babylon. Oh, I'm sorry. Because I stole that from you, that moment. That's okay. I think, my, I think both jokes landed. They did. Listener? What do you think, listener? Text us. They can DM us. We really should take his, his mouth gag off. Get the dog out. Uh, and we rate these films out of 11 sure for do. some reason. Oh, we have reasons. Okay, what are they? Well, What's the reason? Tell us one. All right, well, you guys will notice in this, I won't say spoilers because we always talk about everything in the movie. Yeah, spoiler alert. Toby Maguire is a big oh. uh, presence in this movie. Because of the <laughs> sure. length Because of the, pr- the length of the movie, even though he's in quite an extended bit, it's still kind of a cameo, I guess, but he's a big part of the end of the movie. And you'll notice he looked uh, haunted. He looked like, you know, very, very uh, depleted. Kind That's of an interesting description, but yes. I think he, he looked like he had taken on all the sins and I decadence would, I would of Hollywood. And cracked out? Yeah, wasn't cracked he, out. Wasn't he just wearing makeup, though? <laughs> what like he, was just, he, just, he was applying makeup. So here's the thing. So Damien Chazelle had a specific way that he wanted Tobey Maguire to look for this, and so he recommended him. like like he normally does yeah. in real life. Yes, and that's it. He just said, "Just don't put just, on your yeah. foundation. Just today. show up. <laughs> just show up as you always do." Yes. Um, and so he recommended specifically eleven movies for him to watch in oh. preparation for the role. I forgot what we and were doing. Went, I know that's <laughs> what I was waiting for it. The longest eleven yes. ever. These have to get shorter. Do you want to know what the movies were, though? We didn't even get to... Go on. Oh, my list God, them. go. They were all just... We don't have time. Okay. So, uh, no, go ahead, Tom. They were all Spider-Man porn parodies. None of this is true. I just <laughs> wanted to, like, imagine Tobey Maguire Thomas, watching... of course none of this is true. Cream Piderman, Rider-Man. Okay. Spider-Jam. You're far I'm gonna, too prepared for this bit. I'm trying to think of others now. I only had three. <laughs> In the Thighs Demand. In the Thighs Demand. Or something. Spider-Man and the uh, Green Goblin. Oh. Okay, we need to stop. Okay, okay, we're on Babylon. Spider-Man and Dr. Octopussy. Uh, right. That's already a title. And you were the fluffer for all 11, right? Of James yes. Bond films. <laughs> that's why I look like Toby Maguire <laughs> right now. So, Babylon, shout your name if you like this film. And my name's Tom. Frank. Oh, no. Oh, Marcus hated it. I think we should go Frank, Marcus, me. Okay. Ratings. So you want me to go? Because okay? I liked it. Okay. Usually a heavy indicator. Tom has a lot to say. So enjoy the moment, Frank, while you've got it. Well, <laughs> I'm just going to give it a, I'm going to give it a six. You know, I liked it a little bit, you know, I thought I thought I was going to hate it, honestly. And I was, qu- I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, and I, you know, got through it because it is over three hours long. So Oof. I thought it was all right. And then some. Three hours and like nine, nine minutes, minutes with the credits. So it's probably right. And I watched all hours. the credits. I was waiting for a Obviously. post-credit. Yeah. 
when Babylon is, will return. No, I was waiting for Spider Man to show up. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you, come on. Okay, well, Marcus, you um, hated it. <clears throat> yeah, I'm giving this a five point three. Oh, okay. So not like. Hate. I didn't just test the film. No, it had some really great moments. You didn't test uh, it. I'll I didn't test. I did test. Um, How do you? I initially, I think, at the halfway point, I'd scored this in my head a lot higher. Oh yes, that drastically changed as I got to like the two-hour mark. What happened at the two-hour mark? You oh, just we'll, got bored. We'll, we'll talk about it. Oh, okay. <laughs> we, we don't want to do it now. No, no, no. I'll All right, let's get, let's get to Thomas. The only, if, it's a, if it's an 11, I will squeal. The only thing <laughs> I want to add to what Marcus just said there is I've seen this movie three times now <sighs> and the first time I watched it, I did feel similarly to you, Marcus. At about the two-hour mark, I was like, some of this is brilliant, but my fucking Christ, like it's a bit much. Mm, wow. And the Language. two times since, I've... Uh, changed that opinion and it is a 10.6. Wow, okay. Wow. Whoa! That's not 11, so I'm not going to squeal. 10.6? That was a squeal. Go on. Don't don't sell yourself short. (laughs) I I apologise for being a natural tenor. Jesus. (laughs) Did you hear about when Pavarotti died? Oh, God. And uh, uh, who's at the pearly gates? You should know this. Hades, right? Frank, tell me who's at the pearly gates. (laughs) St. Peter. St. Peter. St. Peter's in the Pearly Gates. <laughs> Hades is Greek yeah. and is in the underworld. So Pavarotti comes in and St. Peter's like, oh, finally. And he goes, God, God, God. And he sees Pavarotti. He's like, yes. And St. Peter goes, here's that tenor I owed you. Anyway, what were you saying? <laughs> <laughs> Tom is off the rails and we were like five minutes in. 10.6. 10.6. Okay, first of all, you're wrong. This movie is a sloppy mess. It's too long. I agree with that. And I don't know, kind of... it's. It's not the sloppy mess that's enjoyable. I disagree. <laughs> it's not like a smorgasbord of food. It's it's exhausting. Yes. It is exhausting. Oh, yeah. And if you say that's the point, I'll probably slap you. I don't think it being exhausting <laughs> on a level that makes you... I don't think it's depleting. I think it it is an endurance test, definitely. But That's I think- what you want. That's what you want in the film. Uh, How much sometimes. can you sit through? Look, if-, if, if every scene had been cut 10%, I would have been so much happier because I liked yeah. the film. I liked the themes. I liked the, the performances and the production design. Just the feeling of it. Had a good time. But yeah. We'll get into specifically what you guys think should yeah, be cut. I, I had finished. You had? That's fine. I was trying to cut you by 10% just yeah, at the end there because I thought that'll make it better. No, I'm, a, I'm an endurance test for you. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Let someone else talk. Okay, Marcus. The uh, – it, <laughs> <laughs> it – like it is, it's it's organised chaos almost, right? Mm. And at by the end, though, I think I felt dissatisfied as an audience member because it doesn't give you, um, it doesn't conclude character arcs the way I guess I wanted it to. It just felt so open ended and and ambiguous and just empty. It just felt really empty and it was like, for me, the entire film was just like, why, what are you doing? Like, what do you want to do? What what are we trying to achieve here? What's your message? What's your, (sighs) like, we get it. We understand that there there was a lot happening back in that time in in cinema, in film, in the industry. And it's it's always been this, um, this debaucherous sort of underworld, right? And I think that's what this film is trying to bring to light and it's trying to show us a period in time that did happen historically and then give us, like, I don't know. But is it is it uh, not by 
graphical of Damien Giselle, but is he saying something about Hollywood, do you think? Like this is his experience to some degree in a stylized historical air quotes manner. Yeah, maybe. I guess so. I guess it just it, it's almost like tell us something we don't know is how I felt about it personally. Yeah, oh, well, yeah. I, I see that, but I also think he, t- he took it to a very extravagant level. Now mm. I'm, I'm defending it. Um, no, no, that's good. I did give it a six, so I did like it. Um, yeah, like the depravity is like, oh, my God. Like the first party scene when you walk in and you've got 30 minutes of the camera doesn't stop panning around, you see it's so nudity, much. drugs, ev- <laughs> yeah. violence, sex, everything's going on. You're like, Everything that can give you an R rating is happening in that room, <laughs> yeah. basically. Well, apparently Gene Smart, uh, who plays Yzma, I think, in this film. I don't know if you know. Um, Roll like your- <laughs> No, that was not Yzma. That was not Yzma. Roll was really- No, that's also She's not. not. Uh, yeah. That's Patrick, Patrick Warburton. Right. Yeah. So, oh. <laughs> anyway, Jean Smart apparently was worried that it would get an X rating, so she didn't want to do it. But then she couldn't say no to the script. Basically, yeah. it was like it's fun, she's and she's great. Eleanor St James, right, or Eleanor St something? She's In terms basically of her character name. Yeah, she's playing yeah. basically Luella Parsons, who was a very well, along with Hedda Hopper, like a very well known sort of gossip gossip columnist. journalist. Yes, yeah. let's say journalist. Yeah, she's. The journalism, absolutely, but it was, you know, in the same Eleanor way. Eleanor St. John. Eleanor St. John. In the same way that some of the movies that were getting made at that time were just kind of like fodder. You know, it's like the the the, rad, the, the stuff that was printed about these people was printed on the disposable paper and, you know, the, the idea is that all of these very hedonistic and very sort of uh, ways of, of driving enterprise within Hollywood in mm. which people were just so fascinated by the debauchery and the excessiveness and to which, by the way, I agree with you, Frank, that it's taken to an extravagant level that I don't think is literal. I think the most interesting thing about this movie is not what it has to say but about how far it goes to say it on an emotional and on a spectacle level. It's I've, I've, I've talked with people who, who disagree with me on this but I do not think that opening party scene and I do not think a lot of the things we see in this movie are like, oh, yeah, well, that's that was the untold real thing that was going on. No, I don't think there were parties literally like that, you know, and I don't no. think there is truly a descent into hell, like, tunnel system that Tobey Maguire takes them on at the end. Well, it's I'd all like metaphor- to imagine that, that Leo DiCaprio holds parties like that. I, But outside of that, You'd sure. like to imagine that? No, I know it. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, no, I was thinking the other direction. Like, sure, Leo's an upstanding citizen. Leo's, most of his parties Allegedly. are just podcasting listens. You guys don't know this? He just gets people together and he's like, you guys, throwing the power just dropped a new episode. Isn't that, isn't that the story you've heard about how he has sex with I people? I have, but I don't know if we're going to keep I will say it and we might cut Let's it. Let's say it allegedly. Okay. Allegedly, the alleged story about Leo is that he will have sex <laughs> with a woman in pure darkness while listening to a uh, podcast on his headphones and he will just like lay down and be like, do what you want to me and he will just listen to. And it's contracted yes, supposedly. absolutely. And, uh, yeah. It's, it's truly horrible. It, he must I'm be so low, not, like sad. Yeah, I think so. He's had a hard Lonely? Life. I mean, anyway, we, if he's listening to comedy podcasts, you know, he might be having <laughs> a good it. time. He might be listening to Smartless. He might be. Never yeah. heard of it. No. Should we do a synopsis? <laughs> of Babylon? That would yeah. be a great idea. Okay, which, uh, let's go. An original epic set in 1920s Los Angeles, led by Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie and Diego Calva, with an ensemble cast including blah, 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 a tale of outsized ambition and outrageous <laughs> excess. It traces the rise and fall of multiple characters during an era of unbridled decadence and depravity in early Hollywood. Did you say Los Angeles? 
<laughs> What's it missing? Did you go the singular form of Los Angeles? <laughs> I've got a lost angel. City of one angel. <laughs> Find him. Looking for a lost angel. Um, I might have, and uh, I apologise. I, I just I grabbed onto that. It was I'm a cold so read. <laughs> Try my best. Prefer your wet reads. I don't do them anymore. No. You got that court <laughs> order, whatever. <laughs> They caught in the door. I abandoned my bit halfway through. And then thought I'd. You can just say, well. "Please cut that." Uh, no, and I won't. Let's not cut that. Let's leave that in. Let's not cut that. I love it when you whisper because everyone can hear it. So mm. this is a big cast. Huge, yeah, huge, like, huge, cast, huge monstrous. Cast. You've also got and Gene think- Smart, as you mentioned, uh, Jovan Adepo, Olivia uh, Wilde's in it. Yes, Legion Lee for a hot minute. Flea is in it. Flea, Flea. yeah. Spike. He shows up in a lot of things. Yes. Flea, uh, he He's does. Kind of great, actually. Yeah. He always does the same shit, but like he's kind of enjoying He's good it. at it. Just let him do it. He's also an excellent bass player. Do we talk about that? Yeah, no. Okay. I didn't <laughs> we don't talk about people's hobbies here. We talk about the careers. Yeah, right? of course, like, yeah. Um, he's been in four films. Sure, he can he's slap doing well. the four string, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> surfboard <laughs> at a time. But is this is a California reference. This is a California this is Red Hot reference. Chili Peppers. Yes. It's good. It's going well for Great you. Fan. I once asked my nan. No, I didn't ask her. I was once having a conversation with some people about the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And I was like, are they? I was quite young. I was like, are they from California? Are they from? And my nan goes, they're from, they're from South America. Oh. And I was like, my 83-year-old nan, I was like, how do you know that, nan? She's like, that's where they grow them. And I was like, oh. oh. <laughs> and then we put her in a home. All right. So <laughs> I think Babylon, as you said, Marcus, huge cast. Yep. The marketing was, I think, a little strange. So this film had a $110 million budget. It only made 63 is that really? 63 is what it made back worldwide. 110, like, because it's for the actual filming, 70 to 80. And then you get right well the promotion and, and all that sort of stuff. So it, it, we've talked about this before. I'm yeah, like, yeah, right, yeah. So the, the filming budget is a certain figure and the marketing budget is usually the exact same, so you double it. Sure. But 110 is what I read as the... That's interesting. I've, I've mostly seen like 80 is what they'll cop to, right? But either way that they've said 250 was what they have to make to break even. Oh. So they made... About a quarter of what they needed to <laughs> they did not make much money. Is, this was not a successful film. Which is pretty outrageous to think. Like, obviously, yeah. the timing of it coming out might not have been good for ticket sales, etc. But, like, Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie, mm. and a Damien Chazelle film. Yes. Word of mouth was quite bad about it. It came out of festivals. It got slammed. And people were like, it's seven fucking hours long and it's very vulgar and I don't know yeah. if anyone cares and it's very prestige which this sort of is, killed it. This is my yeah. issue at the moment. I feel like a lot of films are starting to go, well, they did three hours. Fuck it. Let's do three hours. You can, you've you got to make three hours worth it. Like Avengers Endgame really is worth do. it and you've got like, 24 films be, to wrap up. Be selective. Yeah. And you, you threw in the word spectacle again, which we've mentioned in previous pods. Yeah, we talked about it a lot on And that. I feel that personally... When the word spectacle gets thrown into the film, it's generally a film that I didn't enjoy that much, right? Like yeah. we talked Titanic, for example, spectacle to me. Yeah, yeah. Like You have bad taste, I, it's okay. No, <laughs> but I don't – it's not um, a selling quality it's like for, for me. It's like form over function. Yeah. Like they're like, look how great it looks, look how busy this scene is, look how much I've got going on and like technically the camera work and the, the choreography to get through this scene is amazing. Yeah. That's cool. That's, a, that's an achievement. But it doesn't mean anything if the film doesn't grab you. That's right. And if the story is not worth the investment. This was like a Baz Luhrmann film mixed with the Coen brothers almost. Do you know what I mean? Like it was some weird energy coming in. I feel that. And the Coen brothers comedy I was getting out of it and I found myself laughing a lot. Yeah, it's a funny movie. The spectacle of a Baz Baz film. (laughs) Um, Just, you know, less is more when it comes to me and and my taste in film. Mm. 
So immediately from the get-go and it just hits you like a sledgehammer um, and also the opening, the actual opening scene we haven't talked about yet, which is before the party, which is just pushing a truck uphill while an elephant shits on someone. Oof. There's a lot happening in the first it's a, 20 to 25 minutes of the film. It's a very bold opening. <laughs> and just quickly, why does camera, why does, why does uh, elephant shit get on the camera? Well, I suppose it's they make like, the camera. Yeah, okay. they We're all cinema is it taints us all. You know, is you that can't you can't get out of it. Right? It's, a metaphor. it's like if you're part of this, you're, you're, getting, elephant you're shit. getting the elephant shit on you, right? Yeah. If you're gonna take like the tits and the cocaine and the like grandness. You also have to take the elephant mire down into the elephant shit with us. Yeah, well, I think, but you start there and, and you get better from there. Well, I think that's the pendulum Until of the whole you. movie. It keeps going back and forth between the glamour and the excess that is so like eye popping. Is that not considered a fourth wall break though? What do you mean the elephant Involving shit getting the on the camera? Yeah, it's a, it's a new one. It might I just guess. be like, like an aesthetic choice to be like you're in it. Yeah. Okay. Or. I, I don't disagree. I think, I think, I think, I think you're right. I think it's a stylistic thing of just kind of like, you know, it makes you feel it a little bit more because it feels a little too clinical and antiseptic if you don't get anything on the camera. But once mm-hmm. the lens is, it's like putting blood on the camera when someone gets stabbed or something. It's just like a blood splatter except it's elephant shit. Yeah, to be fair, it does in Kill Bill they do it and it never phased me. The elephant shit? No, the, I missed <laughs> that the blood splatter on, a, on oh, the camera and stuff. R- right. Like, and I've never looked at that as a breaking the moment or yeah. you know, immersion sort of thing. It, it is gross. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, uh, But it's very funny to me. It was with the first moment. I went to see this in cinemas twice and the first time I went and saw it, that That's happened. That's crazy to me. Twice in yeah. the cinema? Twice in a week. Yeah, and, what, wait, and the first time you didn't love it? I thought it was really fantastic and then as it ended, I was like, That's that's such an astounding film. I still don't even know how I feel about it. And it was during my the early part of this year where I was watching every Oscar-nominated movie to get it out of the way, and most of them were at cinemas. And I got to the end of the week and was like, the best thing I saw this week was Babylon, and I couldn't think of a reason not to go back and watch it a second time to just see if I still felt that way, and I did. I thought, And the scenes that I was like, eh, about the first time I watched it, I loved. And I just I just came around on them and felt so great about it. And then I watched it a third time a couple of weeks ago with my mum and it was – and Kath. And is that because you know what you're coming in for? Because obviously it is quite extreme. We've yeah. said that. The language is a lot. It's it's full on to watch. Mm-hmm. Like for three hours to sort of be bombarded like that is a lot to take in. So do you think the second time around it's easier to, to, to palette? Yeah, and I think the broadness of what's going on with the storytelling and the characters felt mm-hmm. a lot more in sync and aligned with the craft. I think it's just like the cinematography, the production design, the music, everything about it on a craft level is is exquisite. And the thing I had a problem with the first time, I was like, yeah, but I know all these stories. Like I know what's going to happen with um, Jack Conrad. That's Brad Pitt's yeah, character. Yeah, I yeah, know yeah. what's going to happen with Nelly Leroy. I think I know what's going to happen with a lot of these characters. And the first time when a lot of those things I was proven right and there were scenes that I kind of knew where they were going, I felt a little ahead of the movie. And the second time I watched it, I felt like the movie was such a consummate uh, treatise on storytelling that I was like, of course it's investing in these archetypes. Of course it's investing in these well-worn tropes. And, of course, actually part of what I loved, the fir- when I was watching it the first time, I was like, wow, he's pulling a lot from Singing in the Rain. And then when it got to the final yeah. minutes of the movie, yeah, I was yeah. like, you f- son of a bitch. I can't believe you're yeah. going to do this. But it worked for me. It worked for him to put that hat on a hat of I know this story. He called it a lamp, didn't he? He called it a lamp. Big time. He shaded it with a lamp and called it. (laughs) But I I was watching and I didn't didn't catch, I've only seen Singing in the Rain on stage once. I've not seen the film. Right. I don't really care for dancing um, or singing. (laughs) 
Yeah, I hate tight Corey. I've just I've just never seen it. I I should. Um, but I got to the end and I was like, oh yeah, scene of the rain. And Lucy was like, you didn't get that? And I was like, <laughs> um, yes, I did. That was it. So yeah, it was funny that you caught that so immediately and I was like three hours behind. It's a movie that I like a lot but I also have seen, if there's two movies that people talk a lot about in comparison with this, it's The Artist from 2011 mm-hmm. and that was I'd seen Singing in the Rain, I watched The Artist and was like, oh, this is doing the Singing in the Rain bit and I, I kind of have those two movies in the plot side by side. Um, the other one people talk about is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood which obviously is Tarantino's version mm. of kind of a nostalgic but also – somewhat more brutalist take on on sort of these stories and these yeah. these legends that we have. And, of course, both have Brad Pitt and Margot Robbie both deal with. like. But that would be my preference. I, I much preferred that take on the, the backside to the industry Yeah, and, and storytelling. I'm shocked to find that I think I slight prefer Babylon just slightly but oh. I love and I love Once Upon a so, Time right, hey. hey we're just here to share our feelings and talk about just give it me a say, Frank, wait 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 Frank gives <laughs> Babylon a six and you still prefer it to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood you know how I feel about Tarantino I didn't know you we're gonna have to do a Tarantino film I think down the track we'll, yeah. we'll do it maybe next um, time it's just because the two things I know three things I know you hate in this world Frank oh horror huh? singing and dancing and you yep. feet <laughs> 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 I tried to look for an in there. Nah, it's, you got accounts. That. It's good. Uh, also, feet like that's a shitty yeah, punchline. You don't. It. You hate feet? Not why? No, not really. Okay. Come what do people second. dance what? with? But Frank? <laughs> you keep putting them in my mouth. Yes, and oh, that's not cool. Okay. This is well, why we don't okay. hang out anymore. <laughs> Stop. Uh, Tom, you said tropes before. Yeah. Right. And this is what I does found- that word mean? I'll go. Yeah. A trope is like a recurring feature within storytelling. I, I mean, I'm leading to something. If you'll let me get there. A, Go on. A trope. <laughs> we don't need Tom's monologue. No, okay, it was too much. It was too much. It was too much. You asked what a trope was. Yeah. As a joke. <laughs> God damn it. Okay. It, the thing is, you you are correct in saying that it took an archetype and it sort of ran with it with yeah. these with these um, stories and these characters. And I didn't hate that. I really liked it. The performances were top notch, like all round. Mm. It was a bit sort of same same from Brad Pitt in a way. Like I think he's at the comfortable stage of his career now, where he's he's. I wouldn't say that's taking the easy path, but like he's, was, not, he's not doing a lot. No, there was a which bit is of, fine. There was a bit of Inglorious Bastards in there oh, at times, well, especially like, the speaking Italian. Yeah, and, right. And and at the start of the film, before I realised who he was as Jack Conrad, the actor, I thought he was just a producer or a director. Is my was my initial take, and I was like, my first note I wrote down was like. He's way too handsome to be just a producer. Brad, yeah, Brad Pitt would never not be on camera, yeah, even like, in a fictional world. He's got that classic Hollywood look. He is so genetically blessed with that scene I know, where it's ridiculous. obviously he gets drunk, gets taken home, he wakes, he's in the singlet, right? Lucy and I were both like, wow, he's in, he's a. He looks really good. Yeah, what is he like? Almost 60? He's almost 60. That's and nuts. he's just he's like, there. he just like he has a great shape. Yep. Great shoulders. Uh, it's fine. Yep. Anyway, great character reveal when he gets <laughs> when he gets introduced on camera. He's in the car driving up. You see the back of his head. He's fighting with Olivia Wilde, his first wife, which I think is a nice running gag as she's well. She's in it for 30 seconds. Yeah. She and makes she's the like, most of it. <laughs> she's like, say one more Italian word. Speak Italian to me one, one more time, time and I will divorce, divorce you. you. Okay, okay. Ciao, Montebello. Gorlami. Gorlami. So good. Anyway, um, but then it, then the camera pans and you and then he turns around and he's like, oh, I'm Jack Gunrad. And you're like, fucking Brad I didn't think Pitt. he should have yeah. said that. I thought it was like yeah, it's a maybe let us get it. Yeah, well, absolutely. I blame Damien. He wrote it. That's true. Bad line. <laughs> you guys on a first name basis now? Da- 
Damien. <laughs> I forgot it for a second. Mr. Chazelle. Back to what I was saying. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. So tropes. So tropes. So tropes. Um, I think that it depicted uh, the, these characters and these stories quite well and I think that it, it intentionally left you with a, an empty sort of finish for a lot of them. And it, I, I agree. Like halfway through the film I was like, I pr- I'm pretty sure I know how the stories will wind up for these people to whatever end and, and sort of in a, within a degree of that. And I felt I was proven right at the end. Um, that didn't make me feel better about it. But what annoyed me about the film or why I feel I've knocked it down so harshly or, or to a point where I'm like I could use some convincing um, is that they, they've they taken – it was on the nose for me in saying that like, oh, th- you know, this is Hollywood, this is the industry, it churns people out and everyone's disposable and you're just a fleeting moment in time and there's going to be another you down the track. And I was like, cool, I get it, like – and maybe there's general audiences that don't see the industry that way and maybe this was like eye-opening for them. But to me it didn't hit home at all. It felt kind of it – was, it was a boring take on it for me. And then you've got – sorry, I'm going to keep no, going. No, 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 that's okay. You've got the title of the film, which I spent a lot of the time, the three hours and nine minutes, thinking why did they call it Babylon? And I was like, okay, hot take. Could be right, could be wrong. Babylon – and I'm going to ask my biblical correspondent here in the room, uh, Francis Kerr. Babylon is the city of sin? Uh, Babylon um, symbolises like wilderness and evil. Like sometimes people say Babylon is like Lucifer or like the devil. Right. Okay. So it's the evil city. Okay. Of sin. Yeah. Evil, yeah. sin, yeah, same sure. thing. Yeah, Absolutely. cool. It's, it's just like Sodom and Gomorrah. It's meant to be like Babylon is often referenced as an idea of a place without inhibitions and, and excess, you know, is my understanding. I don't, I don't have a huge understanding of the full mythology behind it, but definitely that's a thing where it's like, oh, it was like Babylon in there because of the mayhem and stuff. So yeah, okay, what's, your tie, okay. what's your tie to this? Well, look, I think I think my, my way of thinking was that if Babylon as a, whether it be physically or metaphorically, you know, was destroyed or... Or, you know. Um, By its own, like from inside itself. Yes, that's possibly. right. Um, I, th- I felt that that was, contra- and again, it was my hot take, it's contradictory to what I felt was ultimately happening here or what they were trying to tell us is that the industry or Hollywood or this this machine is like an infinite loop. Like it's just going to keep going and going and going and no matter what, how important you think you are at the time, again, you're just a fleeting moment. This is, mm. and so I, I had this like, jarring sort of um, conflict going on. I was like, what is this movie trying to tell me? I feel there's too many things happening and what do you want? Like what am I supposed to take from this? But I guess you could you could view it in the way that Babylon is perhaps like uh, um, Brad Pitt and Margot Robbie's life and their career and their the that era of film yeah. and that dies and that destroys itself and a new one takes over maybe. Like, you know, because obviously they're, they're in silent film and then the talkies come through and um, Brad Pitt's character can't, he can't really make it happen, can't make it land and his career falls apart and then he inevitably, spoiler alert, kills himself. Yeah. Like yeah. That it's a personal Babylon. Mm. If I'm defending Damien. It sounds like you are. <laughs> you know, like I don't know. Maybe just a guess. Yeah. I, I feel Tom, Tom will have something to say on that. Um, well, don't put pressure on him. Yeah, no, he will. do that. He will. Um, yeah, I think it's the first like big innovative turnover, in, like Hollywood revolutionising uh, what entertainment was in the early 20th century and then it becoming something that it did from uh, silent to sound and then sound to colour and every new step 
has created new avenues for potential for this perpetuating system, mm. as you call mm. it, Marcus, but it leaves people behind, right? It's a really, really tricky thing to have staying power as a star or as a uh, anyone within the industry because it's bigger than you, right? Yes. And I think the scene you were referring to before, which was when Eleanor St. John sits down with Jack Conrad and says, would you like to know why they laughed? There is no why. Your time was done. It's been done for a while. And she yeah. did that big speech about how he is mortal and transient but he will live, uh, live forever, and, 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 live forever and be immortal and celluloid. I found that very on the nose the first time mm. and the second time because I'd embraced the just full swing of the movie and just gone along with it for like every every shot it was going for. I was like, yeah, I kind of like this scene. I, I like the way it it just frames it for him, not because I think the audience needs to hear it, but I think it's a nice character beat. I, I, I love that scene. Like I think yeah. Jean Smart nails it. I think she's such a wonderful a actress. Scene. I agree. She sells but it. But I'm really, I'm really surprised. That's that she's the critic, right? She's yeah, Ellen Orson John. Yes. yes. So, well, she's not really a critic. She's, she's also from like Hacks. Even if you've seen Hacks, she's very good I in Hacks. I haven't, but she's great in Fargo season two and a couple of other things. But she's more of the, 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 yeah, the gossip um, columnist. Sure. But I was surprised that um, Jack Kirby killed himself after that because I found it really... Um, Jack Conrad. That's what I said. Who's Jack Kirby? Uh, that oh, is the a comic book uh, creator. <laughs> from Marvel. Anyway, Jack Conrad. You can't help yourself, I, can you? <laughs> I just love this Spider-Man. Um, I found it really comforting. I thought it was a really beautiful scene. I thought he would have been like, yeah, that's nice. Okay, I'll live forever. And then he, he just takes it the other way and goes, well, my time is done and see you later. I, I found it really sad. I think it's a, a good little and, and tragic like comment on what it, it takes yeah. for people to have reached such highs and once you've had yeah. that. Like, why would you? you know, it's it's maybe I'm I'm being a little insensitive or facetious by making this comparison, but it does seem to smack of like people who are like heroin addicts or other form of addictions for years, and they find it very difficult to return to the real world because they're like, just this nothing's going to compare to nothing what I've will had. Feel that good. Nothing will feel this good ever again, and you have to like re, sort of like reassert pleasure and and something uh, worth living for in a brain. That has added a body that has experienced better, yeah. and I think that's kind of it. He's like, I will the come down would be impossible. Ridiculous. You've had a life, you know, for fifty years of just being the star of all stars. Yes, and now you're nothing. Absolutely, you're just a normal person again. I yes, it's like when Superman loses his powers 100%. around Kryptonite. Oh well, yes, and we thank you, Jack Kirby. He's not here. <laughs> what? When did he what? leave? Always listening. We, he was the guy we had in the as, corner. As soon as you started talking. He got up and he's like, I'm done with this shit. This they're talking about Spider-Man. I don't need to. <laughs> like, no, no, no. Guys, I'm in the room. We're talking right? about Spider-Man pornos. You ruined it. I don't think so. You ruined what it. What would be another good Spider-Man porno name? I, do you know what scene was really good? <laughs> Is the Hello, Hello? The Hello College scene. That's So scene. it's Margot Robbie, Nelly Leroy. Nelly Leroy that is the first yeah, scene. Yeah, chaotic in, scene, hey. Awesome. Do you know what it reminded me of? Do you remember, have you ever seen the film um, adaptation of Noises Off? <laughs> yeah, with Michael Caine yeah. and, no. and oh. Christopher Reeve, yeah. Superman. Yeah. Ah, it's, all, it's comic book world. I mean, it doesn't have to be the film adaptation, but like Noises Off, it had that farcical sort of mm -hmm. vibe to it, that whole scene. It was so pacey and punchy. Yep. And fun. Can't and stop pedaling the bike. You'll fall yeah. off. They just got to keep going. It, it was, was a so... really, that would be, that's my favorite scene in the film. Without I a doubt. I would find it hard to pick another one. I agree. It's I, the funniest scene, I think, of the last five years. It, well, I wouldn't find it big, funny, but, but it's hysterically it's, funny. It's very enjoyable. And I think it's so well done. And the pace of it is awesome. 
I found myself laugh. Like the tension was so tight on it that I found myself laughing out of awkwardness and uncomfortable. Sort yeah, because they're all sweating and screaming at each other, and you're yeah. like, oh, oh, oh god! It's the way that it's edited as well. Obviously, the montage that they and the the motif they keep coming back to of dropping the suitcase, hitting her mark, everything that keeps happening, the way she's sweating suddenly, right? And it's mm-hmm. really you feel that tension. The guy who's in the box keeps being like, I tell you, it's too hard in there. Get the fuck back in. Like everything they keep doing, it is like a horror movie in some of the ways that it's shot. But I think the way that they escalate it, when you sit down and, and watch that scene, it's probably only nine minutes long. And yet mm. it feels earned when they get to the point where they are screaming hysterically and they're like, God, this is the hardest thing we've well, you've, ever you've, done. You, you feel like you've been in that studio all day. You feel it. And you feel hot. You feel you like feel yeah. it's incredible yeah. filmmaking to put, to put that mood on the audience. Yes. And then obviously it climaxes. And they all cheer and they erupt. They get the scene done. It's incredible. What a moment. And then they're and like, then. Bill, check the gate. <laughs> yeah. Bill. Which you knew was going to be the punchline, right? right? You kind of did. You were like, that guy's going to either be like passed out or dead. But it's, it's the only forgotten moment in this whole yes, thing. Yes. You start <laughs> laughing before they even call his name. Because you know he's dead. <laughs> yeah. I think no, he's died in that little box. <laughs> yes. Poor I, guy. I think the hero of that scene is PJ Byrne to me, who I know mostly as Rugrat from The Wolf of Wall Street. He, I, nah, nah, not, not a at fan. All. No. Was he, he the he's, one screaming? He's, he's the much, assistant director. Yeah, yeah, No, yeah. I think he's hilarious. Not a, not a fan. It's not a, a fan. And not a fan of him in Wolf of Wall Street. Like, I just don't like, <laughs> I feel like all he does is scream. That's all I've seen him do. I know that's not accurate, but he's a, I don't know. I feel like there's more layers to it. There could have been more layers. I found it really flat. I thought if you were going to find anyone in that scene to give almost unbroken 45 seconds of just like apoplectic rage to, especially when it's from, who the fuck's this? Who the fuck (laughs) sneezed? Like it's, so funny when he goes off on that. Um, yeah, I really it's, liked it. It's okay. It's not so funny. It's not that it, funny. I find it very funny. But yeah, I agree to disagree. No. So what else in the movie? Well, what about like, okay, we're talk- speaking of Spider-Man, let's go back to Tobey Maguire. Oh, we can do this again. I loathe him. I just want to say that. Do you? Tobey Maguire is He's hit such- or miss for me. He's... He, this is the only character he's almost close to right to play. He is such an insufferable little jerk. <laughs> I I just hate him. A little oh, jerk. He's a little jerk. Did he take your lunch money? Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> he can't take my money. He's four foot tall. <laughs> Who in their right mind I would follow Tobey Maguire into a dark tunnel? Especially when he's like, come on, come yeah. and look at this thingy. <laughs> you're going to love it. My name is Earl's best buddies there as yeah. well. And you're just like, well, also from Wolf of Wall Street, actually. I, just realized I can feel too. Yes. <laughs> I was horrifying. That scene so upsetting. This was, and at this point of the film, I felt like this was Pizzagate Origins. What? Oh, this was. Go on. <laughs> okay, for the listener, Pizzagate is uh, when. No, I'm not going to say <laughs> no, it. It's fine. No, it's, a well, it's a well known trope, so Frank. Hillary... We don't need to get into that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go on, Marcus. Uh, it's a gate made of pizza. Yeah. That's you can't it. get through unless that's you eat pizza. Tastiest pepperons. gate in the world. <laughs> Tasty gate. Uh, no, this was, again, it was like the debaucherous underworld, the, the slimy, disgusting, R rated version of what Hollywood is, you know, in the shadows. Yeah. I feel like. That that Pizzagate take is too dark for me. I don't like like all they do. All they do is cheer at a bodybuilder who eats a rat. That's so the room that they walk through where people are just getting like that's just an orgy. Mm. In terms of like 
Okay. What Pizzagate means yeah, yeah. versus consenting adults, <laughs> I much prefer the consenting adults <laughs> vision. You know what I mean? I, Nothing about that whole scene screamed consensual. No, I love that Frank's watching every level of it and going, <laughs> that's just a regular party. Yep. I threw one of those yep. last week. <laughs> this is all fine. Oh, that guy's about to eat a rat. Like, well, this wasn't yeah. telegraphed at all. Did like, you guys not go to uni or...? <laughs> I think there's no a, comment. a lot of things that are not uh, above board. Okay, but can we just... I just... Yeah, okay. Yeah. But the pizza game thing is a room. bit much. I, I agree that... I, I know what Marcus is saying, though. It's this idea that, like, it's almost conspiratorial. And, again, it is so far-fetched and such a, like, urban legend, this idea of, like, these <laughs> underground clubs. Even today, I would... If someone was like, you know, there's this place where you go into, like you know, the, the steamworks or, like, the docks and you, you get into a shipping container and everyone's taking molly and fucking each other. It's like, yeah, I'd believe that in present-day LA or New York. But if you're like, and it's been doing it since 1923, I'd be like, I don't know about that. Like, I mean... Why? Because uh, drugs were better back then? The, the you know that, right? The degree, what do you mean, the drugs were better <laughs> back <laughs> no, in 1923? Do you know that, though, right? <laughs> yeah, I was born in 23. The, <laughs> the actual aesthetic of it, obviously, because, of course, it's one of the only parts of the movie where it turns into, like, an electronic score as well, where you're like, right, this is all, like, anachronistic. You, you said the whole thing is a bit like the whole movie. It's storytelling. It's all made up. Exactly. And that's it's what all... I mean. So I think that that notion of it is like it's much more of a metaphor. It's much more symbolic. It's much more of, of mm. an aesthetic and a vibe than it is literal. Mm. But I still do find that I think Chazelle sat down and was like, how far can I stretch these ideas beyond beyond the pale? How far can I take these things in a major major studio film, like a Paramount Pictures film with Brad Pitt, Margaret Robert. How What's the worst shit I can show mm. to really get my point across? And I, I admire that 100% and also think he at no point did it in a cheap or exploitative way that made the film feel unnecessarily nasty. The only thing, no, yeah, not nasty at all. The only thing that I found a little, a little tacky was just the language. It's like use some creativity in the writing, which a lot of the scenes they did, but there was so much just like, Fuck, fuck, fuck. And it's like, say a different word. Just try something else. Please stop screaming and stop saying the F word. Yeah. I don't like know. I know yeah. that's, a, that's, a, that's a small gripe, but you know what I mean? It's, it's a like, small gripe and I wouldn't normally agree with you, but I think in this context it, it did feel a bit jarring Well, you get me. three hours of it. It's a lot. Yes. It's like, okay. Especially in a, uh, you know, season where we've had or like the last few years we've had shows like Succession and we've had shows even like, I don't know if you guys know Veep, but uh, like the Armando Inucci show and people are being – such creative uh, vulgarians, the way that they utilise uh, terrible language. Bulgarians. They, bul- <laughs> they're playing... Bul- Which I, show? I told Victor you. Victor Crumb. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> boom. Boom, boom. <laughs> and now the Bulgarians. the Irish. Jesus. <laughs> what did okay, they do sorry. to you? I know, you said vulgarians. Vulgarians. It's like vulgar. That's fun. That was good. That was... A lot of fun. Um, yeah, it's I, fun doing this with you. Wait, it's a word, right? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> We've just but we, from context, point. we know what he means. Yeah. But I just like to mess with him. Look at his look at his little face now. <laughs> My little face. Sorry, Tom, continue. It's okay. I really am excited by scripts that take language that is, yeah, overused. Obviously, just people saying fuck shit all this over and over again. I won't disagree that there's like not as much creativity or flair in the swearing or the, that mm. sort of language, I still find most of the dialogue that's not people just yelling at each other. But then even then I think he found funny ways. You guys know it's Spike Jones is like the German film director mm. when they do the big thing at the right and then it's the shot of him like, Schnell! 
schnell, schnell, motherfucker! Like, and just him yelling that in a German <laughs> accent is always very funny. And then presumably he went off and did Jackass forever because that's just what his life is like. Why what not? a man. Why yeah, honestly. Yeah. Do, we, do we have a least favourite scene in the film? Yes, I do, but you guys go first. I, well, can I, I don't think. Oh, you go. I didn't really do my favourite scene. Oh, what was your favourite scene? Sorry. I think it's the ending. It's the big montage of film and everything's flying at. Um, oh, God, what's his Manny, name? Manny. Diego Calvo. About Calvo. Manny, yeah. Which we need to talk about him too. He's. Diego Calvo. We'll come back. Wonderful in this. Let's circle back to we that. We have barely talked about the performances. That's honestly. all right. We Which, will. Okay, we well, that's, that's, my, that's it. That's, that's my favourite scene. So it he, is a nice scene. For the, for the listener, I don't know if you know, he sits in the cinema and watches the history of film, basically. And then it like boils down to primary colours and sounds and flashes. And it's like. Yeah, that's all it is. It's lights and sounds, man. This is cool. Yeah. It's like, obviously, it's a bit. It's a bit we're, we're a simple, simple creature, really. That's it. Yeah. Flashlights at me. <laughs> For the listener, we did, and Frank can't stop grinning. <laughs> He's convulsing. <laughs> Let's make some noises. Boom! <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, God. He's Drugs skip- were better He's back then. skipping around the room. <laughs> and, and so you and I, we, we agreed that that was our favourite scene collectively would have been... The Hello College. The Hello College. Here's the thing. I kind of agree with Frank as well. Like if I... It's really neck and neck. But They're the very ending, different scenes. They are. One's much more impressionistic and... And also emotionally rewarding. You know, you get to the end of the film, three hours long, and you have that cathartic moment. I think it's really nice. I think the biggest example of a major director calling his shot that I've seen in a long time is when I went to see it in cinemas and the montage started and I'd heard there was a controversial ending to the movie. People like the ending's going to divide people. It did. A lot of people hated it. People really? I've spoken to hate oh. that ending. And the montage starts and I was like, oh, this is like kind of fun. Yeah. And then it started getting more and more intense in the music, Justin Hurwitz's score. It's yeah. interspersed with the shots of Margot Robbie dancing from the start, which is incredible. Uh, it's interspersed with shots of Brad Pitt, you know, in the different tints and all this, and I'm starting to have a physical reaction. Like, I, I thought you would. I don't know how I'm going to deal with this. And then, yes, when it was just flashes of colour and, like, dyes and, and sound and I'm crying and it cuts to the shot of Manny with tears in his eyes. And I was like, you fucking piece of shit. You, I can't you, believe you've done this. Uh-huh. Me. It might as well have just cut to a shot of me on the screen, just being like... <gasps> like but I imagine oh cut to a shot God. of any sort of... Any, not any, but most people who enjoy film, yeah, that's what this is. He's, it's a celebration of film and the industry and, and the journey it's been through. That last shot is him just going, look what I just did to you. And the people in the crowd who it worked for are still like, are you fucking... But <laughs> isn't that, I mean, isn't that, uh, again, that's my it's, issue with it. It's like, it's almost like a fuck you to the industry mm-hmm. and, and at the same time owed to and celebrating. Like, I it conflicted. How is it a fuck you though? What... I see what How Marcus is saying. I, it it just took it. It was a dark take on because it makes them all, all look so like so wrong with the industry, yet so right. As in terrible people doing terrible things, but making yeah, air like, quotes beautiful art. That's right. It's like m- maybe one of the yeah. most dehumanizing industries we have. That is one of the most celebrated and also considered like. Roger Ebert referred to cinema as like an engine for empathy and compassion, and mm. I agree that I think what Manny is getting in that moment is like. The shit we went through, it, no one should have to experience. And the way this town like ground us down and left us with nothing. Yeah. But look what it did. And but it's he, up to the individuals to decide if that matters. Some people but watch Manny this movie. But Manny gets out as well. He gets out, which helps. But there's people who go to watch this movie and go, so your point is that the movies are magical? Go fuck yourself. And I'm like, yeah, but if you're sitting in a room for three hours in the dark watching this, you've also bought into the idea that movies are magical. And also here's my thing. Who doesn't like 
watching a movie or going to the movies. I know one person in my life that goes, I don't really like movies. Everyone else. And he's here in this room. <laughs> Marcus, what is your deal with hating movies? <laughs> but you know what I mean? It, that's uh, Watching film and TV is one of the most, um, it brings everyone together. Mm. It's something that we all enjoy doing. So I don't know, I don't know why. It also divides. Oh, that's the whole point of why we're here. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's, an, it's an act of creation and destruction. And I think it's like oh God. it's truly a, a force for like making something permanent or making something like immutable that can exist for however you, long no, you the human actually, race does. You can mute it. I've got that button. What? You got it fixed? TV. Oh, thank God. Yeah. You were complaining about that the other day because I put on that <laughs> Spider-Man porno at yours oh my and God. you couldn't turn it off. Spider-Man and Mary Jane try anal. That one's not even no. clever. What even? That's not, not even, even trying. No, I'll cut that one. Um, so, <laughs> all right. Well, on track here because I do want to talk about it. What's the actor's name? You're Diego Calva. He's, he okay. plays Manny Torres. I'm going to nominate him as my MVP. Really? Yep. 100% for this film. MVP. I'm going to go Margot Robbie. Nice. Followed closely by Jean Smart, just because I'm a just a fan. Yeah, love great. her. I think it'd be nice to see her do more. Oh, and I think she. I don't think she had enough in this for me. No, no, no. She, yeah, she could have done. Margot could have more. It'd be sense. hard to go past Margot as well. It's it it's a, pretty phenomenal to talk. Not to talk about Margot. It's not phenomenal to talk about it at all. Um, it's a pretty phenomenal performance from her in the way that she's playing an actress who is next level talented. Beautiful, careless, yeah, fearless, all that sort of stuff. The scene where she cries, you want yeah. to cry, cry from one eye, cry right well, now. It's, it's kind of all interesting because it's like Hollywood's tried to make Margot Robbie happen and happen and happen. They keep trying and trying and trying. And it's not that she hasn't. She's a household name. But I think this was the first time for me, for Margot Robbie, I went, this is really showcasing how talented you are. Yeah. The character is you. Mm-hmm. It's it's showing us your range. I agree. It's it's the best showcase for you as a performer that you could ever have. It's such a different movie, but it kind of feels not dissimilar to when Tarantino was writing in Glorious Bastards mm. and he had no idea who he was going to get to play Hans Lander. Because he's mm. like, I need a guy who can convincingly speak four different languages yeah. yep. in a confident manner and be charismatic and terrifying in bo- in yeah. all of them. Yeah. And he met Christoph Waltz and he's like, I speak. Big every language, and he's like, "Don't use what that." What does he say? Don't use that accent. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's right. Instead of instead of creating an cream. actor, instead of creating an actor to to hit the character, yeah, he just found the character. Yes. He found the actor who is the character. And I agree with you that I think that's what Damien's doing with Margot Robbie here. Yeah. He's like, I couldn't, I literally couldn't make this movie if you weren't as good as your character. You need to be on the level of what I've written. And I think it's not dissimilar to Brad Pitt with Jack who he's, you know, very gamely when when Tarantino's taken Brad Pitt and gone, hey, you're in your mid-50s but you're still, like, ripped and you can drink and smoke all the time and still beat the shit out of a bunch of hippies. And Damien Chazelle goes, but what if you're ageing out and what if you're on the downward swing and do you mind if we utilise that part? Because there's no way that, in the way that Leo was used in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, yeah. that's how yeah. Brad Pitt is being used here. And yeah. he's being very game about it in the way that he's like, there's a world in which this is the last year Brad Pitt's Brad Pitt. Three years from now, we're like, yeah, twenty twenty two. That was kind of it, right? Or twenty twenty three? Well, he's yeah, he's he's aging into ma- mature age. Yes, he's really getting to that level. Um, he's still in, like he's still healthy and he's still fit, but can he be leading man guy no. who takes his shirt off? Probably not for in another few years. Oh. Probably not, right? Have you seen the Lost City? Uh yeah, it's okay. No. Oh, with sure. uh, with with Sandra Bullock. Yeah. 
Oh, and Channing Tatum? We yeah. Talked, we talked about it during the Bullet Train episode because they kind of like she did a cameo in Bullet Train yeah. so that he'd do the cameo in yeah. Lost City. And he's that. He's effectively yeah, that. Yeah, he's in sleepwalking it, like, through that movie. But yeah. it's like I think he's quite good in this. But I, I think, I think he's so. Sleeping. Margot Robbie's my MVP. She is phenomenal in this. The scene of her dancing at the start when she comes out of having all the coke with Manny, um, I don't know if I can think of a physical performance from an actor in recent memory that gets to me more. When she is dancing... I'm kind of like, like I'm a little frightened watching how she does it, and it's that's part of that is Justin Hurwitz's score ah, as well. Great, yeah, Justin oh. Hurwitz has done such a good job with the score, and it is oh, such a Damien Damien Chazelle sort of film score in the way that it's like jazz drums and that sort of absolute energy. It yes. just feels like energy in music form. Is there a better director right now? Someone say Edgar Wright because of um, Baby Driver, which I think is a good movie, but I don't know if there's a better director who right now. Who uses music? Yes, who mm. uses music and sound for their image, whether it's Whiplash, La La Land. First Man, a movie I haven't seen, but I'm aware people talk about not the music so much, but the sound design of it. Sound is good, yeah. And the music in this movie is incredible. I feel like I'm alone here. I just didn't dig the opening scene. Oh, it, it just bothered me so much. And it's like it's the same reason I, I'm not a huge fan of Moulin Rouge, I guess. There's just something about that. singing and dancing. The glamour no, no. and the spectacle of it is like, it's not that, like it's it's grand, like, I guess, but I wasn't that impressed. And like I kind of was rolling my eyes through some bits and I was like, okay, this is, this is the whole film going to be like this and I'm glad it wasn't because it started easing into something that I could get on board with and mm. this was just a bit much for me. And, the, and seriously, this is the smallest gripe ever, but I have such a big thing about how misused and how shit CGI has become uh. in 2023. Why? Why did they CGI the elephant? Uh, death, safety. I don't know. Just if you're going to go to the extent. <laughs> in honestly, that order? Death and safety. Think, of course you're not going to have a live elephant rolling through the crowd at that at, at But you could, you could film an elephant doing that and then film it comp- Composited in sort of thing. I think yeah. to keep me invested, as soon as I see a CGI anything, I'm like, pfft. I don't care anymore. So if you had not watched the first 30 minutes, if you'd watched from the from the title card, which is at 32 minutes, Babylon, <laughs> you watch from there. If you watched from there, you probably would have loved it. Yeah. I mean, I did I did like, I was intrigued with the whole opening scene of the elephant and everything like that because I was like, again, what am what I is, watching yeah. here? And then the next scene was something very different for me and I'm like, okay. Also, shout out Phoebe Tonkin, who's the girl who dies at the party at the start. She's an Australian. Oh, oh really? Yeah. And then we've got Samara Weaving as uh, um, oh, as she? the the starlet. And she's actually playing a real um, she's quite good starlet whose name I can't remember. But oh, she's, really? Yes, she's playing someone. Uh, oh, God. That's fun to I watch, that dynamic. It's actually. very funny because yeah. And they, or are you about to say that they always get... Margot Robbie and Samara, everyone's always like, they always look the same. And they they've look, made they... them look so different in this movie. It's insane. Samara yeah, Weaving has yeah. like the Emma Stone bug eyes. Yes. Emma Stone was originally meant to be Margot's role in this. Damn it. Would you have liked that? No, 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 no. No, that was a weird reaction for no one's. I'm not too sure why you got so upset just then. That was my trivia question for you. Because oh. <laughs> you were like, no one else could play this role except Margot Robbie. She's exceptional. And I was like, well, she wasn't actually the original cast. And I don't think Emma Stone would have been as good. <laughs> Emma Stone would have been, not to be rude, horrible. Really I don't think funny. horrible. Horrible. I don't think as I don't think it's good. I don't think she could pull off for my money the the trashy sort of like the gutter sort of uh, way that Margot mm. Robbie or sort of the gutter. No, no, she uh, she can't. Margot Robbie has. I don't know. Like Margot Robbie does the high and low 
so much better than almost anyone right now. Whereas I think Emma Stone would feel like a kid playing dress up a little, which is not to say yeah. she's not incredible in certain things. She actually kind of nails that in the favourite, but I don't think she's being asked to do it to quite the same Not to extent. lead the film. Yes, like, not to lead the film. And she's like, you know, in the favourite, she's covered in muck a few times and told like, my father fell from grace, but she's not like Margaret Robbie going around being where like, she's, you know. A, a star's daughter and she's a bit of a drug addict. Yes. A bit of a mm. sketchy I character. I couldn't hear her saying, like Margot Robbie does at the, the dinner scene, the, the fancy party at William Randolph Hearst's place, I'm going to go home and shove some coke up my pussy. Like I, I cannot hear Emma Stone saying that and pulling it off. It and just I just, sorry, feel, to go back, that's one of the lines that I go, ah. Don't love that scene. That's the scene in the movie that I think is necessary because it telegraphs and it leads to her downfall, which mm. I think is is very powerful and what goes on between her and Manny. That's the scene the first time I watched the movie, I was like, this is a bit much. And the second and third time I'm like, this is the only scene in the movie that kind of has to happen. It's where I, she breaks, right? Yes. I don't think it's as artful. I kind of love yeah. her grabbing all the food and going, you want to see what a depraved animal from Jersey does? Yeah. Like not even eating it, even just rubbing it on her face. Because they, the, the, three, the three main characters do have that moment that is effectively their downfall, their breaking moment, right? Yes. And I think for Manny... It, it's when he hands uh, Sydney the the shoe polish. Oh my god! Which is oh. such a Giovanna Depo's face in that scene where he's Ooh. just like, "Why? Why are you asking me to?" Heavy like- scene, and that every any ounce of dignity that Manny has left mm. is gone at that moment. Yeah, that's yeah, pretty awful the, scene. He's swallowed by the darkness of the industry, as it were. Yeah. Um, I think for Brad Pitt, for for Jack Conrad, it's probably the moment where he realizes that he's. When he sneaks into the yeah, cinema when he goes to the, and he sees well, them laugh. The weird thing is it's the same moment because they're both at the same party. And so for Margot, yeah. it's her going like yeah. off the rails and it's everyone coming up to Jack and going, oh, better luck next time. Yep. And he's like, what the fuck is going on? Why, yep. is everyone, why is it like it's my funeral here? Mm. So they're both kind of experiencing that but in different directions. Yep. Sorry to go back. Uh, Joe Van Depo, who plays Sydney, the trumpet player. Yes. Is he playing the trumpet there? If he's Does not, know? he's nailing it. Yeah, nailing it. Because really I don't play trumpet. I couldn't tell what the fingers are doing. But nailing it looks, the it looks, finger cory, right? He nails that. Can we say that? <laughs> Is that a sentence we're allowed to the say? Finger cory? I'm not going to finger cory. That's too much for you? Yeah, yeah. sorry. Can I say coke up my pussy, Thomas? I didn't God. write the line. <laughs> I didn't write it gets, my... It gets a Tom stamp of approval. <laughs> okay. Of course it does. I think a Joe Van is very good. And we know that Damien Chazelle is very good at at showing uh, musicians playing what seems to actually fit. Yeah, like, he does. He respects musicians, which yes. is really and nice. and seeing mm. them play at the start and the party, but also when he's doing that. He's very good. He, I don't know if you guys have seen him before. He's in the Watchmen TV series. He's in The Leftovers. Um, he's fantastic. I really mm. like seeing... I, my, my criticism of the movie besides that scene at the party... I wish Sydney had more to do. I wish there was more for Lady Feiju, who's played by Lee Jun Lee. Dis- disagree. I think she's really Don't fantastic care for presence, her and I like her. Why is she there? Relationship with well, it's 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 playing on like anime. Well, almost all these characters. Do we have time for the pantry? Um, real quick, we have time for the pantry. Okay. Do you want to, oh, normally you do like, and I'm going to walk over to the room oh, and I'm going to pull wait, the sorry. door. Let me go. Wait, no, okay. no, it's fine. The butler in the pantry with a mic. Shut up. The I can't shut up if I'm open in the pen. I'm opened up. I'm begging you. Do you need me to talk about something in here? Okay, so the bit is now upsetting Frank that I've even opened it. Look at your little face. All right. Like a shrunken apple. So all of these characters are. 
say Schrodinger's apple? That's now what I say. <laughs> is it eaten or is it all? <laughs> Look at his little face with an apple in it. No, continue. Pantry. Um, the, all the characters are based on real Hollywood figures from the yeah. 20s and 30s. So we've got um, Jack Conrad is based on John Gilbert, a guy who didn't survive the transition from the 20s into the 20s. Well, he, yeah, killed himself famously. Uh, I don't think he killed himself, but I think he was an alcoholic who died like quite. He had a heart attack. He had uh, two big heart attacks. John Gilbert, we'll, we'll fact check that, but I'm pretty sure that's No, true. we won't. Okay. So, <laughs> um, and mostly for um, uh, Nelly Leroy, it's like uh, Clara Bow, I think, yeah. is kind of the inspiration. Well, they're and all listed, like, they say they've all got like four names next to them. Like, Jack Conrad's got Clark Gable as well. Sure. Nell Leroy's got Joan Crawford, uh, Alma Rubin's Clara Bow. Like they've all got a few names. Yes. They're referencing this paying homage to a bunch of people. Yeah. Obviously they're leaning on one mostly, but. Yeah. And um, Anime Wong was the one for um, Lady Feiju, who was like the first internationally recognised like Chinese-American yeah. star in Hollywood. And so I think what he's doing there like by acknowledging the diversity are something that the, the whitewashing that's happened in Hollywood ever since the 20s where it's like if we're going to have an artist or if we're going to have someone on screen who is of colour or not just a Clark Gable or what have you, it's going to be one. They're going to be the token, right? And he's like, well, if, if there's only the tokens back then, of course we know that people like Manny, a lot of people who were immigrants to the countries and people like Sydney who were the musicians, they were the backbone of a lot of this stuff. Mm. But I think what he does in paying respect to the diversity that helped build this, you know, and that's that's where it gets me the idea of like, Babylon, but I also think about the Tower of Babel, whether there's a reference there, you know, the fact that everyone is talking different languages and the gods did that to sort of make it so the Tower of Babel would not reach heaven, you know, obviously Mm -hmm. whether or not there's something there about these people trying to make these grand things that don't quite lead up to the precipice of heaven and transcend the earthly bonds, but there's a lot of beauty in this stuff, right? And I think that the one of my favourite things about Sydney's character is when they're doing the performance where all the musicians are playing... And Manny asks for, and they're doing like the the bit with Jack and all of them wearing raincoats. And Manny's like, oh, yeah. "What do you think of this?" And Sydney's like, "You're pointing the cameras in the wrong direction." And then it turns into him sort of having a bit of a Duke Ellington run and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And Lady Feijou's, um "My Pussy," I think, is really, really fantastic. Like a great musical number. And I think her relationship with Jack is really affecting. I wish there was more of her. I wish there was more of a, a Sydney. My hot take is this movie could be another half an hour longer, and I think it would be better. Oh God, no, thank you. Just more for those characters and, yeah, maybe maybe even just some more on the set while they're making that grand epic with Spike Jones. I would I would actually love to see more of that. Yeah. I think that's, that sequence is really good. That's it. We're out of the pantry now. Oh, that's how we close the pantry. That's yeah. how we close the pantry. Is there a, say, is you've there got a, that power. We... Can you just hit the button whenever you want? <laughs> I can. But I, I, I thought that was a pretty good monologue. It wasn't bad. Thank you. It wasn't bad. I think it's a really And you're great absolutely movie. right. Um, that guy... John Gilbert didn't kill himself. No, he died of heart attack. Heart failure. Yes, yes. yes. Yeah. But there's someone. There no, it's in based. History. It's based off. Uh, I think I read it was based off uh, some MGM producer or something else that did kill himself. Certainly. I think there was. It was drawing from something there. It's gotta be. It's not. They couldn't make and that up. Lucas Lucas Haas's character is obviously based on like some sort of like producer who probably worked with Gilbert or or mm. like you say Clark Gable or stuff. Mm. You know, Lucas Haas, the is he the one who has his head in the toilet. Yeah. Again, a moment where you like. It feels like Damien was like, everything belongs in this movie. I love the gag of when they're in the bathrooms and someone tells Brad Pitt's character that they're going to uh, start introducing sound into movies. Yeah. And he goes, why would people want sound in their movies? And you hear from the cubicle, <laughs> why wouldn't they? I'm like, it's the cheapest joke. I love it. it makes it's me pretty smile. good. This is a 10.6. I think it's an excellent movie. It's a great film. So should we quickly do a little bit of trivia? Sure. Do you have a question to ask me that I, I don't do. I've got a new one for you. To? So Nelly 
as you know, has a gambling debt in the film. Oh, yes. She says it's $85,000 worth. How much would that be today? What's the equivalent? Come on, you start this. Do some quick math. Or, well, well, we. Okay. Uh, 1920 something, 85,000. I don't know. What would it be like? Get it. 1.2 million. Oh. 1.3, isn't it? 1.8. You're way off, you idiot. God, you're done. No, worst person we ever know. Great setup. Is anyone else going to throw it in? No, look, 5.3, I'm going to stick with it because I just don't. Too long, man. I can't believe you even said add half hour to it. I know. It. I, was waiting for you to, I was waiting for you to react to that. I said it a while because ago. Because I just yeah. I can't He's believe been you processing. said it. It, it. That's a major thing wrong with this film is it is way too long. I agree with Frank. Take 10 minutes off most scenes. I wouldn't shave anything off the nine minutes from my favourite scene. Mm-hmm. I think there's some really good shit in there. I think the performances are great. The elephant shit. Yeah. I just It just didn't hit the mark for me. It's not something I'll ever watch again. Um, I did enjoy the Coen Brothers-esque comedy tone that it presented. I didn't enjoy the flip side to that of the spectacle and the the glamour and the glitz and felt more flash than substance to me in a weird way. And mm. So I can't score it higher. Sorry. It's fair. No, I'm uh, not sorry. I'm not sorry. Uh, okay, totally. Okay, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Bit of animosity coming from across the table. You know what? I'm going to throw in the power. Throw in the power. I'm going to 7.5, baby. Hey. Throw in the power. That's twice. nice. Yeah, cool. That's nice. Uh, all right. Well, that was um, that was Babylon. That was Babylon, the 2022 film directed by Damien Chazelle. We just call him Damien. Yeah, we do. We're good room. friends. I hated the snake bite scene. I'm just going to put that out there too. Hated well, it. you know you can't suck venom from a snake bite. Yeah. That's not real. I think there's no. a few things in this movie that you couldn't. Eric Roberts getting on his knees and acting like a mongoose is pretty funny though. <laughs> that he just passes out. Yeah, that was hilarious. All right. Through in the past. Thanks Thanks for listening, listening to Throwing the, the Pound. That's the podcast. <laughs> Go on. Where we talk about movies and most of the time I think we enjoy each other's company. It hasn't we, been like that today, yeah. but no one's taming names. Oh, we feel differently now. No one's now. taming names. Let me be frank. The minute's fake. All right, now let me be normal. Can, uh, DM us. Throwing the Pound. What was the note you had about the endings? <laughs>